0: Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Challenging days, would you agree? Incredibly challenging days. And I want to lovingly tell you, whatever you have in God that got you from your beginning to right here is not sufficient to get you from here forward. It is to be ever increasing faith. It if you are are, are stuck, you're you're really not stuck. You're slipping back. And I want you to know that I, I I take heavy my responsibility to challenge you in your faith. And, and my heart's prayer is always that whatever I share with you is never seen as, as condemnation. It's, it's a challenge. Amen? We, there's a lot of talk in the church world today about the presence of God. About... Being in His presence and welcoming His presence and and seeking His presence. There there are worship songs written about the presence of God. There are books written about the presence of God. There are books written for pastors on how to how to uh, handle a visitation of the presence. There is a, a lot of prayers for the presence of God. There are movements that. That focus on the the presence of God, and I, I'm one who, who believes, 100% in our need for the presence of God. I I have no desire to gather together with a group of people and we we entertain each other. We 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 if the presence of God isn't made manifest in us, then w- what are we doing? Does that make sense? I I, I, want, I I want more than us to be, and we are a social agency. We we, the one thing that should set the church apart from every other group out there is the presence of God in who we are and what we're doing. And that, that ought to make a difference. And um, we once pastored in Toledo, Ohio, and they we, we, we had the, the largest self-funded food ministry in the entire city. It was just incredible the number of people that we supplied food to, and and they had been doing this for many, many years at, at great sacrifice. And when we got there as pastors, it had been dormant for uh, almost a year because of funding issues. They just didn't have the money. And and uh, shortly after getting there, we, we resurrected it and we got it going and got involved. But at one point, I sat down with the people that headed this. And I said, there, there needs to be a, a shift in what we're doing. We... We're going to continue to do the food ministry, but, 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 but here's our struggle. When, when, I, when I take the statistics that you gave me, and the number of years that this ministry has been alive and present, and, and the number of people that have come through here, I said about 70,000 people have gotten food from this church in the last nine years. When I say food, I'm talking about boxes of food. We would fill up a trunk of the average person that came in. Seventy thousand people, and I will get up on Sunday morning, and not a one of those seventy thousand are there. There's there's nobody. I said we, we I, I'm I'm concerned that we've lost our our understanding of our mission, and that is to step in front of people on their way to hell. And if if giving them food acquires their attention for a moment, in that moment we've got to talk to them about their life and their eternal destiny. How many know what I'm talking about? Everything we do ought to somehow connect back to God. I I said, I don't just want to feed people so that when they go to hell, they go to hell with a full belly. I want to feed people so that we can stop them so that they can see that the love of God is enough that we have literally taken out of our own pockets to, to provide food for them so that we would have an opportunity to talk to them about God. I, I believe in, in, in that, and you've heard me say it, that, that our greatest, a great part of our mission as a body of believers is to to create an atmosphere that God feels comfortable in because Jesus never had any trouble drawing a crowd where the presence of God is there there will be people they are drawn to that they they from there there of every race and creed and color they are naturally drawn to the presence of God I think we ought to operate in the presence I think I think the presence of God ought to be at the forefront of our mind but I I think that we have made a mistake in our understanding about the presence of God. Uh, this title, this message, has, you'll understand what the, what the title means later, but the title was originally, Moving Beyond the Presence. Because we, we our understanding of the presence of God, I, I think, has 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 stunted something that God wants to do in us and and I believe that what we see happening literally in the newspapers of today and the headlines of the news stories are a direct result of our misunderstanding about the presence of God this the presence movement as we, you and I know it was actually started not that long ago about 2000 and it a kind of kind of started with a, 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 a writer of songs or a hymns, a fellow by the name of Geron Davis. He, he wrote a songs like Presence of Jehovah and Holy of Holies and one that we're all familiar with, Holy Ground. The words to that song, I'm going to talk about verse 1 and the chorus. When I walk through the doors... I sensed his presence and I knew that this was a place where love abounds for this. He's talking about that place for this, this is a temple The God we love abides here. Oh, we are standing in his presence on holy ground. We are standing on holy ground, for I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now, for we are standing in his presence on holy ground. And you go through the songs that he's written, and there are untold numbers much like that, that give you the impression that the presence of God is still contained inside of a building. Are you with me for a minute? Let me challenge you with this. Just for the next little bit, let me let me ask you to trust me enough that you take what you think you understand about the presence of God and set it aside, and, and, and at least with open eyes, let's look at what Scripture has to say. Because when everything is said and done, it will be what Scripture says is correct, not what our culture or our history or our tradition or our feelings say. Are you with me? So just for a moment, what if there was something more? What if there was something more for us that that our present understanding is hindering? Do you want to go after that? Is there anybody who's satisfied with all you have in God? God don't change anything. It's perfect. I don't want any more of you. I don't want to I don't want I don't want any surprises. I don't want any more miracles. I don't want any more awe. I don't want any more wonder. I don't want any more salvations or deliverances. I've got all that I could possibly stand. If you're here this morning, you may want to leave because I'm not going to make you happy. But but if you're like me and there's a hunger in you for something beyond that, then I, I want to challenge you to listen to what the Word of God says because our understanding of His presence is often still very much locked in Old Testament thought. Can we walk into a building and, and the presence of God be more? I want to be sarcastic for just a moment. Just listen to me for a moment. Is he, is he somehow limited to that threshold? I heard a, a radio announcer say, and I, I know he was being... I know he was being sarcastic, and I I know that this man has no connection or relationship with God. It was a a it's a news reporter on a, a local station here in Cleveland. And they had just done the news and they had talked about the tragedy down in Charleston where the fella goes in and because of his racist ideals he he shoots nine people in church at a prayer meeting. And the news reporter had, somebody in the newsroom had just, you know, shared again about that story. And, and she finished by saying, our, our thoughts, our prayers are with that church in South Carolina. And this sarcastic news reporter who then was the next one to speak, he said, well, why do we say that? Why do we say our, our thoughts and prayers are, are with those people? He said those people were praying when this man walked in and shot them. What good will prayers do? Their prayers couldn't save them or help them then. What will our prayers do for them now? And then the story went on. And when we have this idea that that God is somehow... He's in this building. When I came through the doors, I felt his presence. This is the place. You understand what I'm saying? This is the place. This is the place where God inhabits. And let, me, let me just stop for a moment. Do I sense more of the presence of God when I'm in this building than a lot of other places? Absolutely. But that's not the result of his presence being more in this building. It's the result of you and I being in one mind and one accord. We we are we are in tune. We're we're focused when when we go into Walmart, we're focused on other stuff. Cheese puffs, onion dip, fishing tackle. I know mean, what I'm talking about? When we, when we go to the, the gas station, we're thinking about, you know, a refill on our mega cup and gasoline. Okay? That's what we're thinking about. But when we go to church, when we go to the church building, the building that houses the church, our mind, if we're doing it right, is, is, is pushing out the distractions and we're focusing on God. Are you with me right now? And and that, that joint focusing on God creates an atmosphere that we become more aware of His presence. But His presence is no more six inches on the other side of that door or less than it is six inches inside the door. Are you with me so far? Here's what David said about the presence of God. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. David is saying this. And see, here's here's why it's important what David said. David was an Old Testament believer who lived a New Testament relationship with God. David said, looking forward to the time of Jesus and beyond... David said that is is the day that the Lord has made it's the Lord's day I will rejoice and be glad in it and so David unlike anybody else in the Old Testament he talked to God in a in a, in a unique way he's and he says here dad God, father God I know something I I'm not like everybody else who thinks you come down and come up and, and you meet with them behind a curtain and, and you're dispensational, you move on somebody and you retract yourself. He said, I know this. You're in front of me. You're behind me. You have your hand on my shoulder. You're, you're right there. And he says, he goes on to say, he says, God... Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me if I say surely the darkness shall fall on me even the night shall be light about me indeed the darkness shall not hide me from shall not hide from you but the night shines as the day the darkness and the light are both alike to you. David is saying, God, you're in front of me. You're behind me. You have your hand on my shoulders. How can I ever get away from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, now listen to how he said that. If I make my bed in hell, he's saying, God, if I choose to go as far as I think I can get away from you, you're right there. He said, it doesn't matter whether I'm living in darkness or I'm living in light. It's all the same with you because you're with me. Are you getting this? His presence doesn't change because of your circumstance. His presence doesn't change because of what you're going through. He doesn't come and go. That's religion and it's bondage. As a young Christian, I had problems because... I had problems because I did all I knew to do to do right, but sometimes I didn't do right. And I was made to believe that when I, when I sinned, somehow God just, well, now He's upset. He just got upset. He's just going to leave now, and, and then you've got to have a couple of weeks of doing right and praying and fasting and reading your Bible, and slowly He will inch closer to you. How I many you know what I'm talking about? He will inch closer to you. Does that not bother somebody? You see, it's I don't need him as much in the good times as I need him in the bad times. But I was taught that in the bad times, he's withdrawn himself from me. And I, I've got to go to church to, to, to visit him. Because that's where he lives. When I walk through the door, there his presence. He... He's not out in the lobby or the parking lot. Certainly wasn't on the drive-in. He's not in my home. He's, he's in this building. There are some people who think that when we're done, you and I will walk out the door and turn off the lights. Wave goodbye to God. We'll see you next week. Like he's, he's waiting here. He's, he's a God that's contained in this box. Or that his presence somehow is stronger or less than anywhere else. What did Jesus have to say about the presence? How many know that where there's a kingdom, there has to be a king? This is what Jesus said in Luke 17. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees, that's the religious group of the day, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here... Or see there? For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Not in this building. I've been in empty church buildings. I've come in and prayed many hours in empty church buildings. And when I walk in and you're not here and the lights are off... I'm less aware of his presence than when the lights are on and you're here. And if the presence of God was resident in this room and, and he was waiting for us to come back, then he would kind of be like my dog Bingo when I come home, you know? He's, dude, you're home. It was bad that you were gone, but now you're home. It's is awesome. God would be like, hey, I'm so glad you come. Nobody's been by, man. It gets dark here at night. Could you leave on a nightlight? And so the religious crowd says, I'm I'm paraphrasing, you know, we we like what you're saying. And we like what you're saying about this kingdom. When's this going to come? He says, you don't get it. It's not going to come with observation when I walk through the doors. It's not going to, they're not going to be able to say to you, go over there, there's revival. Said it. Go over here. We used to say in the church, David, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody would get touched from God right here and they'd go out under the power and you'd slide his body away so somebody else could get under the spout where the glory pours out. Really? Really? It's like the God that blows off of his tongue universes but he's just got maybe if I get it just right, I'll feel a little something from God. Listen to me. We have songs that paint poetic but unscriptural pictures of the presence of God. One of my favorite songs of all time until a new understanding came about in my life. Take me past the outer courts into the holy place. Past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people and the priests who sing your praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found one place. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the Holy of Holies. Take the coal. Touch my lips. Here I am. How many have heard that song before? And it's moving. I can relate to that. I I long to see His face, not His hand, His face. I I want to be in His presence. But I have, have spent a lot of time frustrated because we're being shoehorned as New Testament believers into Old Testament idea. And Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but I want to tell you something. He started this book to the 1 Corinthians to fix some things that was wrong in their understanding. And his fatherly manner is moving. He, in fact, he starts chapter 3 and he says this. He says, listen, I've wanted to give you the meat of the word, but I'm, I'm confined to only give you the milk because you don't understand. And he finishes the first book of 1 Corinthians by saying this. He said, listen, I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to encourage you to grab hold of this truth. And in the middle of this, he said, listen, I, I know you're getting upset with me, but I want to remind you something. I'm your father. I have invested in you. I love you. I've asked nothing from you. I've given to you. And that alone gives me permission to speak into your life. And what was he speaking? 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16. He says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God... God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You, as a believer, are the temple of God. And so when we sing songs about, take me into the holy of holies, how can you be taken into some place that resides inside of you? When Jesus died on the cross, there was, there was a veil, a very thick and heavy veil that separated you and I from the Holy of Holies. That was the place that only the priest could go in. And that was only to atone for sins paid. And he went in with a sacrifice and he had to be pure. They literally had bells that hung on the fringes of their garment. And a rope was tied around their waist or their ankle because if they went in and their heart was not right and they were not pure and the sacrifice worthy, then the presence of God would strike them dead right there and then. And you'd have to use the rope to pull them out. And they would go in behind this heavy curtain and they would do sacrifice. And you and I never got to look in there. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said that that big veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. Opened up. It not only freed you and I to go into the Holy of Holies, it freed the Holy of Holies to get into you and I. And now wherever we go, the kingdom of God is. Jesus told his disciples this. Listen, when you go, tell people this. The kingdom of God is right here. Why is it right here? Because you're right there. Where where can you go that the presence of God isn't? It's everywhere. It doesn't ebb and flow. Our awareness of his presence ebbs and flows. But the presence of God never changes. The devil would love for you to believe... That God is stuck in this little box. Because then when you go home and you shut the door, you think nobody knows. And God knows. He's there. It's not a threat. He's there to bring life there he, you, you don't do anything in secret I don't know maybe your house was raised but differently but 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 in our house when when dad came home was more often a threat than anything else you wait till your father gets home didn't your father tell you to clean your room yeah? You wait till he gets home and it's not clean. And then if you were a smart kid like me, you'd say, what time he do home? And then 15 minutes before that, don't look at me that way. How many know what I'm talking about? That's when you clean. You wait until the last minute. And the enemy would love to plug into that mindset that when you leave here and you get in your car, that what you say the Holy Spirit doesn't hear because the presence of God. I left him back in the building. The old dude's in the building. He's he's back there. He's not he's not in my car right now. He's not going to go home with me. He's not on my job site. He's not out here. He he doesn't see me turn into this building and sneak in. He doesn't see any of that. I've hid that from him. I, I, I'm. A, I'm i'm hiding that from god and i'm hiding that from god's people but but i'm going to church on the greatest move of god that i've ever seen ignited on a sunday night service and i never saw it coming we didn't have a lot of people that night i mean the, the church was was doing okay but we didn't have a lot of people maybe 30 or 40 people that night and I was struggling with, I was tired, I didn't know what I was going to preach that night. i I just don't know what I was gonna do. And service started, I really didn't know what. And I'm you know, they're they're doing a worship thing and I'm just God what am I what am I supposed to talk about? What am I supposed to And all of a sudden Brother David I don't know where that verse it says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I said, Okay, God, I guess we'll start there. He said, No, you're gonna do that tonight. do I know I've told the story before I got up and I said I just told the people exactly what God told me I said I don't know what this looks like but we're supposed to do that tonight and gentleman stood up over here he said pastor I'm first I've got you all fooled he sang specials he was on the church council one of the most likable people you'd ever meet he said, I've got you all fooled. You think I'm a good Christian husband and a father, a good Christian man? He said, the reality is I beat my wife. I curse. I look at things I have no business looking at. And I'm like, okay, God, is this what you had in mind? And then the pastor part of me, as he shares with how he physically beats his wife and she's sitting right there and his kids are right there my heart goes to those women in the, in the body that I, I know their husbands they've shared with me their husbands have been violent with them and I'm thinking oh my gosh what are they how are they going to respond to this you know and he gets done and I said confess your faults pray for them I said let's pray let's gather around him and pray and there were four or five women who moved faster than anybody else in the building. Something happened that night in that service. That gentleman sat down, and my clerk stands up. That's <laughs> the one person you don't want confessing anything bad. That's the person who's got all the money. And she's she's loved and she's respected. She's an older lady, she's seventy plus years old, honorable, and she said, Pastor, I'm next. I'll tell you why God can't use me. Because I'm so full of pride. I've been doing this church thing for so long I know just exactly what to say and just exactly what to do. And the reality is the only time I ever read my Bible is when I'm at church. The only time I ever pray is when I'm inside this building. See that mindset that God has somehow locked in this building. And we forget that He, he goes home with us. Amen? He, he's, his presence is with us 24-7. Genesis 1. Honestly, I'm going as fast as I can. Listen to me for just a moment. In Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. don't have time to talk about why the earth that he created was now without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep but when we get into this story that's what that's what is happening this earth is here and it's without form it's void and on the face of the deep it's dark it's without form there there's no it's chaotic it's confused there's no there's no manner of right or wrong. There's no yes and no. There's no good and evil. It's it's confused. They say confused. That's what it is. There's no order. There's it's void. There's nothing there. No purpose. No no direction. No destiny. It's it's empty. There's there's just nothing there. And it was dark on the face of the surface of it. It wasn't dark around the whole planet. It was dark on the face of the deep. We we have to be scriptural here. It was dark on the face of the deep. On the surface, it was dark. And the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the presence of God, hovered. Look it up in Amplified, it said brooded over you have the idea that the presence of God covered the entire planet. It brooded over it. it. It desired greater. It thought about. It was concerned about the conditions of the planet. It was concerned about what it saw. It, it had better in mind. Now listen to me for a moment. you got to promise. How many going to stick with me to the end? Listen to me for a moment. But the, the mere presence of God changed nothing. When I say mere, I'm not demeaning the presence of God. But when the only thing that was taking place was that God was present, the earth was still without form and void and dark and then the Lord spoke and that's when change happened that word literally is ruach or if you're Hebrew ruach but because I spit when I say that I'm going to go with ruah. The Hebrew name for God in this verse where it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, then God, that God said, is Ruah. Literally in Hebrew, Ruah Elohim, which means the breath of God or the wind of God. The breath of God or the wind of God. So the presence of God was over the entire planet, but the entire planet was still without form and void and dark. The the, the the singular reality of the presence of God changed nothing. Are you with me so far? That's not demeaning the presence of God, but you can see the concern. If all we do is go after the presence of God, we don't get changed. You, you can be a, a lost person and feel the presence of God and it will feel good to you. And in the, in the, in the presence of God is a drawing attribute. It, it is enticing to people. Everybody who draws breath is drawn to the presence of God. I've had people that were deeply involved in the occult who, who told me, I don't believe a word you say. Why do you come here? start crying because I feel something here. I don't feel anywhere else in my life. But the presence of God isn't the agent of change. Well, listen, I'll, I'll bring this in for landing as soon as I can. Are you with me? It isn't until the ruah of God, the voice of God, is heard in the world that change came about. And the ruah of God is dispelled the darkness. And the Ruah of God began to bring things into order. The land became land and the water became water. The Ruah of God established day and night. There was systems and order. The Ruah of God planted fields and and, and grass and now there's purpose. The Ruah of God did things that the, the presence of God by itself didn't accomplish. Are you with me so far? So if... If we, the people of God, are satisfied with with His presence alone, we can enjoy that, but we we will come into service, we will come into relationship with God, formless and void and dark, and we will leave formless and void and dark. Are you with me? Some of you older saints, you know what I'm talking about. We used to know what it meant to press through. Pray through. Pray until you get the victory. Put on any tag you want. How many know what I'm talking about? There, there was a, a process of praying and you stayed in it until there was a completion. We in the church were, of this day, there's a danger in We just want to feel His presence. so I don't know who you're connected with on Facebook. All this afternoon and tomorrow morning. Without exaggeration by the dozens, I will have fellow pastors that say, man, the presence of God was there today in the house. Man, the presence of God was thick. One time a fellow said that to me, literally, we had a, I had a Monday morning board meeting and the guys were talking like that. Man, the presence of God was so heavy in our building. I said, well, what do you mean by that? Oh, man, the presence of God. It was just tangible. I said, that's great, but how many got saved? Did anybody get delivered? Did anybody get healed? Did anybody walk out of sin? Did anybody get called into ministry? Did they look at me? They don't have an answer, but it was almost to say, what, what, what's all that about? The presence was there. How I many you know what I'm saying? It was the, the Ruah of God that took the, the dirt that God had formed into the shape of a man. And understand, when when God got done forming... Adam, and Adam stood there before God, or laid there before God, we're not told which. When, when Adam was there before God, listen to me for a moment, Adam was in the presence of God, but he was still dead. It wasn't until the ruah of God, and he breathed into Adam, the breath of life, that Adam became a living soul. Now listen, we're going to bring this home and apply it to where you and I live today. But you got to get this point. There's a difference between the presence of God and the voice of God or the breath of God. Job said it this way, Job 27 and 3. As long as my breath is in me and the breath of God in my nostrils. But then David shared something different with us. By the word of the Lord. This is Psalm 104.30. I'm sorry. Psalm 33.6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And all the host of them, by the breath of his mouth, the Ruah of God. Psalm 104.30. You send forth your spirit. They are created. And you renew the face of the earth. How does he renew the face of the earth? By sending forth his spirit. That word spirit there is ruah, the breath of God. And then we have that passage of scripture we're so familiar with. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost fully come, they were all in one place, one mind, one accord. And there came a sound from heaven as of a uh, the breath of God. Back up a few days, Jesus is showing himself to his disciples. People want to know, how was Peter? How did he go from being the denier to the preacher on this day? Just a few days earlier, he's warming his hands around a fire. And a little old woman said, weren't you one of his? Peter said, I never knew the man. What are you talking about? What happened from then until this day two things he stood with his disciples before he rose into heaven and he Bible says and he looked on them and he breathed on them <sighs> receive the Holy Ghost they could feel that they man there was something here he said now listen, go into Jerusalem and tarry. I gave you a taste of it. I gave you enough to get you from here to there. Now go there and tarry until something else happens. And say they go there and they wait and they pray and they argue and they fuss. Don't tell me they didn't. They're in an upper room. It's hot. There's no air conditioning. They're without form and void and darkness is upon their face. Is he dead? Was it real? This is all dream. process of buying our home I had to go to a, a courthouse in Wood County Ohio we used to live there and I had to fix something because one of the things wrong was they said I died I, I've, got, I've got my death certificate on my office desk right now February 2nd of last year I died they said they, I'm telling you the truth you saw it Ira they found my body what it says. And it appeared that I died under unusual circumstances. And so I, you know, I went online, I found that, I printed it off, and I went to Wood County, the clerk of courts, and I showed that to her, and I said, shouldn't somebody have told me? She looks at that and she said, are you that? And I said, that's me! And of course the whole office and everybody's quiet and they're looking at me and I said just tell me the truth am I dead? Anna, you can tell me I won't get mad at you I said maybe you're dead too maybe we're both dead and we don't even know it maybe this is what it's like she goes stop you're scaring me I said I'm just kidding I said I'm just here to lodge a formal complaint I'm not dead where was I going with this? What was I saying? Come on, somebody's got to be Okay. He said tells he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. And so they're waiting and they're arguing. It's hot. It's miserable. There's no purpose. He just told them to go there. So they're waiting. Ah, you know what? After the first day, we we're doing something wrong. Second day. Okay. Third day, I vote we vote John. I, I I suggest we vote John out. He's the problem. The fourth day, it's the song. It's the fifth day, we're praying wrong. The sixth day, the seventh day, the eighth day, the ninth day. Man, it's getting a smell in there. They're on each other's nerves. They don't have big vacation lodges they can sleep in. They're in tiny little normal people tents. But when they were in one mind, in one accord, the old and the young got together, the rich and the poor it didn't make any difference now, a sound showed up, a wind from God. The breath of God blew on that place. And the Bible says the tongues of fire set on all of them and the begun, all, listen to me, They all the response to the wind of God was they all began to speak. Now I'm bringing this in for a landing. What is going on in the world today? Why is this planet flipping its mind? It's Returning back to its original state because the voice of God isn't present through his church. And they're back to without form. There's chaos and confusion. I saw a picture. It's, it's sickly funny, but it's funny. It showed a German shepherd dog and it said Bruce Denner's cat. We 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 have men who think they're women. You see that that the Bruce Jenner thing hit home with me. He 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 won all the Olympic stuff, and when, when I was a young man, I he was my hero. He he's confused. Are you with me? Without form. Confused. We, we now think that the cops are all bad because of the actions of a few. And and, and if you're stupid, you think that black people are bad because they're black. Or, and if you're stupid, you think that white people are racist because they're white. That's just dumb. I don't know what else to call it, folks. It's just stupid. It's, it's without form. There's no orderliness. And a yes doesn't mean yes. A slow and gently does not mean that you see what i'm saying it doesn't mean slow and gently it means hold on for your life that's what it means everything's confused without form listen to me it's void young people today are void there's no purpose they don't understand there's a God that loves them, that has a plan for them. He has thoughts towards them. Are you with me? And, and the face of them is dark. But listen, God didn't make them that way. God didn't make people angry or sinful. He didn't make them racist or homosexual or gay, or lesbian, or transgender. He didn't make them that way. That's just on their face. Listen, my wife and I have seen quite a number of homosexuals get delivered from that. And they are so surface and shallow with their belief. It only takes a few minutes of a genuine truth to break through that. I've seen it myself. I used to pastor in Columbus called the San Francisco of the Midwest. know what I'm talking about. And what's missing is the voice of God. While the church is gathering in buildings to enjoy His presence, we're failing to be His voice. And we're not speaking that life into people and not pronouncing the heart of God for people and not declaring, thus says the Lord to people. And in the absence of that voice, we are only in His presence that that can, can do a lot, but what it can't do is initiate change. God is raising up a bride who will have a voice. It will be a voice of love, but a voice of power. And the voice of Ruah God will speak through them. There will be strength and power behind them, because listen to me. The Word of God... From your mouth is no less powerful than the word of God from his mouth. It's the word. It's the word that makes a difference. And the church has to be able to speak that and willing to speak it. And now I close with this final verse. This is in Ezekiel chapter 37. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, they there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me. Prophesy, means proclaim, to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh, the sinews are muscle, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. He's brought to this valley full of bones. We know that story. But when the, when the bodies had resurrected, they simply stood there. It wasn't until he proclaimed to the Ru'ah of God, change things. That they came alive. Dads, moms, that is your primary role with your children. Ruai into them. Speak life into them. Quit praying to God to change your husband or change your wife. Speak it into them. Oh, you don't know how bad they are. they are no more dead than these dudes. Where are we at right now? We're, we're walking around and we're seeing this death everywhere. and And there are some in the church even that there's no way out for this. But I want to tell you, he's raising up a bride that has a voice. And she will not only speak to the people. She will speak for God. And God will put something on her heart that your heart as a member of the body of Christ because you know that wherever you are the presence of God is with you Jesus himself said I will never leave you or forsake you was he lying he's either with us or he's not and if he's with me all the time then I can speak when he puts it on my heart I can speak it and it will come to pass because it's his word it's his ruah we're not absent the presence of God in this world, and that's what's causing our problem. We're absent the voice of God because we in the church have been silent. Does this make sense? I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying to land this honestly. So don't be silent no more. Somebody give me some music. It's going to make me stop. I was on my face before God a number of years ago, and I was frustrated because there was. I'm a peaceful person. I, I like peace. I don't want to fuss with nobody. I'm not mad at anybody. I don't understand why anybody's mad at me. I would never put anybody in the back of a pickup truck and try to kill him. I don't. I don't. I don't know why anybody would do that to me. That's their problem, not mine. And I, I'm a peaceful person. I, I don't like tension and yet I can't tell you the number of times I've said to God, serious? I got to say that. I've got to be the flying the omen. I, I really can't I just I went through a dark time in my life about two years ago and as I was driving to go pray somewhere, I passed by a fairly large church and I don't know much about them, but I have the impression it's a very social gospel that's preached there. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's just Jesus loves you. Give us some more money and go home and we'll come back next week and I'll tell you in some different way that Jesus loves you. And, and, and in, a, in a dark time in my life, I, I drove past that and and I knew I was, I was felt, fighting hell in my spirit. And I said, God... Why can't I be like that pastor and just leave stuff alone? I'm just being honest with you. And I was having this tension with this individual, and it it, it was relatively prolonged. And I, I said, God, I'm 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 so tired of 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 that that war. I just I just want to close my mouth and just listen and just. You ever been there? Just. I said, I don't, I don't want to fight. I don't want an argument with this person. And God said, you're not arguing. I thought, maybe he hasn't seen. He said, you're reestablishing my reality to them. We, we have a world that's dark, without form, and void, not because of the lack of the presence of God, but because of the lack of His voice being declared in the land. And I'm calling on you as your pastor now to make a change. Begin or begin again to be the voice of God in your family. Speak the life of God in your spouse. You've been killing them for years and you don't like the smell of death. So speak life. You don't like the way your kids are turning out. You've been speaking death over them for years. What do you expect? They stink because you're killing them. Speak life. There was a video went viral of a mother who was upset with her son because he had done something stupid. I don't know what, she never said. So she puts up a camera and she sets him down and the boy's 13, 14 years old and she says, turn to the camera, tell them you're stupid. I don't want to, mom. Tell them you're stupid. He won't. She smacks him on the back of the head. Tell them you're stupid. So he looks and he said, I'm stupid. And She said, and I won't have any stupid sons. You want to go around acting stupid? I'll make you look stupid. And she's got razors. And she just kind of shaves two or three bald spots in his head and just makes a circus out of his hair. And she said, stupid people have stupid haircuts. So when you get up tomorrow morning, get ready for school, and you look in the mirror, you're going to see a stupid haircut to remind you how stupid you are. And your mom doesn't want you to do stupid things. She shuts it off with the kid upset on the verge of tears. Listen, church, listen to me for a moment. If we keep reacting to the homosexual community like that mom did her son, are you hearing me? If we keep reacting to the to the, the, the dark and the formless and without void, the, 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 the drug addict and the prostitute and the, the the alcoholic and the abuser and 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 if we keep acting to them like that mom did to her son, we'll have the same result. I saw some dad saw that video and he got upset and he made one of his own. And in the video his son is sitting there and he's got the camera and he's got the clippers in his hand. He goes, "My son did something stupid. And I can't just sit by and let it happen." He said, "I'm not going to have a stupid son." He turned on the clippers. And he turned him off. Took his son and stood him up. And he said, son, you're a better man than that. I believe in you. And I made some stupid mistakes myself. And I'm not going to let you go where I went. I'm standing with you and I love you. That's the Ruah of God. This world needs to hear from the church. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.